If you haven't met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here. Very warm uh, welcome to you. Um, what we're going to be doing is we're looking at the second part of our new series uh, on 2 Timothy. Um, we did the first part last week, so if you missed that, please go online on our website. Um, it's there for you to have a catch up and a listen. And this letter to Timothy that we find at the end of our New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. He was a follower of Jesus and used powerfully by God to take uh, the message of Jesus around the known world at the time, which was the Roman Empire. The letter is addressed to Timothy, uh, which is where the letter gets its name. And he was likely in Ephesus at the time. And Timothy was uh, Paul's much younger ministry uh, companion and co-worker, also his son in the faith. And the letter, uh, the aim of the letter that Paul writes is for Timothy to keep going. Uh, in his faith after he's gone because Paul at this time was in a dungeon in Rome uh, awaiting his execution this letter we have is the last one uh, that he wrote and if you read your New Testament much of the back end of the New Testament is written by this apostle Paul uh, he wrote letters to people he wrote letters to churches and this is the last one uh, we have of him and Paul is alone he's been abandoned by uh, his friends and co-workers due to the persecution that had come upon them and he is writing to Timothy and the letter contains exhortations to boldness and endurance and faithfulness uh, and appeal to follow uh, God's word and to pass that knowledge on to other others because Timothy himself is facing difficulties and we'll come to them as we go through the letters he's facing hardship suffering uh, there are teachers other false teachers saying bad things about him and about Jesus and Paul is encouraging him to keep going, which is why we've entitled uh, the series Keep Going. And we're going to run it for 10 weeks uh, down through to the end of August, to the end of the summer. And this series comes at a good time for us as the church. Um, when we were originally kind of planning it, we were thinking this is our 10th year. We had our 10th birthday back in uh, January, if you're around for that. And we, well, and I was thinking, kind of putting it together and praying is actually we need to keep going for the next 10 years. We've done 10 years. It's been brilliant. God's done amazing things, but we need to not quit or sit back on our laurels. We need to keep going. And Paul's letter is a great way um, of looking at that and doing that. Also, nationally, something we hadn't planned is that there was a pandemic and a time of lockdown. And many of us are kind of feeling the effects of that. And even in this season, we need to remember to keep going, keep close to what God is saying to us, follow his word and to keep going after him. Um, and the letter itself is one of three letters you find in your Bible. If you want to read around a little bit, they're part of what we call the pastoral epistles. There's First Timothy, Second Timothy and Titus. And the reason they're named that is because they're written to individuals rather than to churches. All the other letters Paul writes are to churches or groups of churches. Um, but these are very personal individual letters. To Timothy only has about four chapters. If you look in your Bible, it's kind of three sides roughly. If you look at it, depending on the, the size of print in your Bible, you can read the whole thing in about 20 minutes. So it's not a long uh, letter. It begins, the format of the letter begins with a sort of short introduction, which is kind of what we're in at the moment. Then the main body of the letter is encouragements for Timothy to keep going in ministry despite the cost. And uh, Paul appeals to him to know the gospel thoroughly, uh, to refute those who are teaching lies and to pass on to others that they may teach. And at the end of the letter, there's some sort of personal requests from Paul uh, to Timothy. So what we're going to be doing now is we're going to be diving into that. And I want you to remember our image, which is where the baton comes from, that we've been passing around of a relay race where Paul is trying to pass on the baton of what he's learned to Timothy. He knows his race is run. He's about to die. 
at the hand of a Roman executioner and he's passing on his kind of his last words to Timothy at that point and Timothy has to receive that baton and carrying on going and running his race um, as best he can in following after Jesus. So if you've got your Bible open, go to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We did the first two verses last week and we're going to do the next few verses tonight. I'm going to read from chapter, uh, verse 3 to verse 7. Verse 3 to verse 7, it says this. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Okay, big idea of what we're going to look at tonight is that we are to take care of our faith so we can keep going. We're to take care of our faith so we can keep going. So this passage is the next section of the letter. Paul's done his introduction. He, he introduced himself. He introduced the recipient, Timothy, and then gave a greeting. And we're going to look at sort of getting into the body of the letter now. And I want to look at two things. I want to look at uh, Paul's remembrance of Timothy and then Paul's call to action. Timothy so his remembrance of Timothy and then he calls him to action afterwards so the first thing those uh, verses three four and five Paul's remembrance of Timothy so having opened the letter and he's described Timothy as his beloved child uh, Paul then starts calling things to mind about Timothy in verses three four and five uh, in your bible is actually one sentence kind of in the Greek in which it was written so it's Paul just kind of pouring out uh, his thoughts um, to Timothy in what's going on and he um, starts by giving thanks to God and then gives the reason for his thanks and if you look through those three verses verses three four and five you'll find the word either remember or reminded in each verse and if you're kind of a note taker and you do that circle those in your bible because Paul is bringing something to mind each time so he's remembering something about Timothy uh, and we'll go through each verse so verse three he's our Paul's thanks and prayer. So he begins with thankfulness. He begins with this, I thank God. And this is common in Paul's writing. If he's looking Philippians and Corinthians, he often starts with thankfulness to God for something. And in this particular letter, because it's a more personal nature um, and is a genuine emotional attachment he had to Timothy, who he loved dearly, his, his thanks ultimately is for Timothy. And we'll get to that in verse five. But he begins by saying, I thank God. So he expresses his gratitude for God, uh, first and foremost, he's number one and he's ultimately the object um, of Paul's thanks. He's the one he is looking to above everything. And then Paul uh, describes his, history, his actions, his history and his character. And he says, I thank God whom I serve. And this is a reference back to the beginning of the letter where he describes himself as an apostle who is one sent out by God. Paul had a role uh, before God to be the apostle to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, to bring them the good news of Jesus. And Paul recognizes that he's, thank God, it's, it's all about him. He's the one he serves. He's the higher power in his life. He's the one he looks to for authority. 
Paul serves God for first and foremost. And then he says, by uh, my ancestors, like my ancestors is. Now, this links what Paul's going back to. Now, Paul was a Jew. He was a very devout Jew. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee. He followed the Torah, the law um, that's laid out in, in the Old Testament religiously, closely. He is one of those in the line of the Old Testament of Israel, heading all the way back to the patriarchs we find at the beginning of our Bible. And he says, I serve God like my, like my ancestors before me, like the ones who came before me. I, I serve God just like them. He, I'm part of a line of faithful service to God. And he says, I do it with a clear conscience because I've been faithful to the Torah. I'm now faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what I'm about. And this will link to what we'll get in verse five. So we'll get there in just a moment. But Paul lays out kind of his um, uh, history uh, and his actions and his faith. And he says to him, I remember you constantly, Timothy, uh, in your my, my prayers. I remember you constantly in my prayers. And this shows Paul's affection and love for Timothy you get the kind of um, the old phrase that says if you're out of sight uh, you're out of mind well this is not the case here at all Paul has been separated for Timothy he's he's somewhere else he's languishing in a Roman jail but he still remembers Timothy and he says I remember you constantly and then he adds day and night and this is a reminder that always when Paul goes to pray he's remembering Timothy and he would brought Timothy before God in prayer he would have prayed for him he would have prayed for blessing on him he prayed protection on him uh, for ministry success all those things that a loving parent would pray for a child that is what Paul is praying uh, for Timothy and there's a just an interesting insight here um, is that you what you pray about shows what you love what you pray about shows what you love. And Paul prays for Timothy and he prays for him daily and he shows that he loves Timothy. So Paul thanks God and he prays for Timothy. And then we see in verse four, Paul's longing. He longs to be reunited with Timothy. He, he remembers what that's like. And he says there were tears when they got separated. I don't know if you've ever left someone knowing you're going to be apart for a season and it's moved you so much to tears. Like, you know, I'm not going to see you for a while, a long time. And the emotion has got to you and you've actually cried um, like that. Paul says, that's what it was like when we left. Timothy was saying goodbye to Paul and he was um, tearful at that moment. And Paul says, I long to see you, uh, which must have been a, a sense that would have been exacerbated by him being in prison, knowing you couldn't even leave because he's, he's locked in there. I want to see you, I want to be reunited you, but I can't. And so he says, I, I'm long to see you. And when we get together, it's going to be joyful. This reminds us of their deep personal bond. And then we, he says, after he said what well, he's longing, he reminds Timothy of his faith. Because this is the, when we go back to verse three, and he says, I thank God. Ultimately, in verse five, he gives the reason for his thanks. And he's thankful for Timothy's faith and he describes it in a certain way and in my translation he describes it as sincere it says your sincere faith Timothy and he says um, that means authentic it means a real uh, it means genuine it means without hypocrisy so there's a kind of negative version where he's not a hypocrite he has a sincere faith Timothy is a devout follower of Jesus not a Sunday believer who just does his due diligence once a week. He's a, a follower of Jesus that shaped his whole life. He was someone who walked the walk and he was willing to suffer in ministry and suffer in following Jesus and it didn't put him off and he kept going. 
And then he describes Timothy. And now remember how Paul described himself as someone who served and he was just like his ancestors. Well, he says the same for Timothy here. You notice he describes Timothy's faith by linking it back to his mother and to his grandmother. He's saying, actually, the faith that's in you, I've seen in previous generations in your life. You can trace it back down your family line. And these two women are mentioned, uh, Lois and Eunice. And we really know nothing about these two other than they were Jewish, because it says in Acts that Timothy's mother was a Jew and his father was a Greek. Um, and so we know that. But that's literally it. But these two women had a sincere faith. And in one sense, the baton of faith has been passed down the line from the grandmother to the mother and now to Timothy. And Paul is saying that sincere faith that dwelt in them is now dwelling in you. And he says, I'm sure of it. So even bookends that verse by saying, I see your sincere faith and I'm sure it dwells in you. And so he is reminding Timothy of that important faith that he's had. But it doesn't the faith isn't just in isolation. It's something that's come down his family line. And then he's building up to this point. So he's still talked about himself. Talk about his longing and his prayers and his thankfulness for who Timothy is and what Timothy's like and his faithfulness as a follower of Jesus and a Christian. But that then builds up to what happens in the next couple of verses, which is Paul's call to action, because it's no good just having a faith and that being it. It doesn't just terminate on itself. It has to go somewhere and it has to do something. So Paul, Paul calls Timothy to action in verses six and seven. And we know their link because at the beginning of verse six, it has the word for in our English translation. That's worth marking, worth circling your Bible for this reason, he says. So it links back to immediately what's happened. So Paul has talked about Timothy's faith, he said you have a sincere faith and I see it coming down your family line. And he says now because of that. For this reason, there's something you need to do, Timothy. It's not just, it's no good just having this faith and kind of living a passive life in the background. He says, no, I'm calling you to action. And Paul, there's two elements of this. He, he wants Timothy to stoke the fire and he wants Timothy to know that he's got everything he needs right now, right with him. And so first thing he says to him is fan the flame, stoke the fire. He says, for this reason, I want you to fan into flame the gift of God. And so the image here is of a fire that you have to keep burning. Your faith, Timothy, is like a fire and it needs to be fed and it needs to be tended. And I don't know about you, but in this kind of lockdown season when we've been having to meet outside more and more through the dark, cold winter months, I've been around a lot more fires than would be normal. Uh, for me, I'm more like to be inside where it's warm with my friends rather than out in the really cold garden. But we, we can't come inside. So we have to be out. So I've been around fire pits. And even this week on Wednesday, I was with a bunch of guys and we were around a fire chatting, catching up and praying together. And the one thing you've got to know about fires is you've got to tend them. You've got to give them fuel. You've got to put stuff on them. You've got to watch them and care for them. You can't just let them go on their own because ultimately they will just burn themselves out. And the implication for Timothy is that he needs to vigorously tend the fire of his faith. It can't be something he can just leave. It might be okay for a little while, but ultimately it will die out without fuel. It will die out without tending. He needs to fuel it as much as he can by praying and being obedient to God's word and and using his faith to serve him so Paul says I want you to fan into flame you've got to do something about this Timothy the gift of God the gift of God now there's two ways of looking at that 
If you talk, look at the commentaries on that, what's Paul talking about when he talks about the gift of God? There's one way which is um, he's looking, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God that has been given to Timothy as a believer. That's the one who is in you. And the other way is that the, the, the Holy Spirit is the source of the gifts Timothy uses as a minister of Jesus. He was probably a pastor or an elder in the church at Ephesus, Ephesus and he will have had giftings that he would have used to serve the church there. And so actually, I think there's, there's, there's truth in both of those things. Timothy has been given the Holy Spirit. And he's got gifts from the Holy Spirit to use uh, to serve the church that have been poured out on him. And uh, Tim, uh, Paul is saying, use that gift, fan them into flame. Do not let them go dormant. Do not let them go and die out. You have to do something about this, Timothy. And then he, he actually um, references a specific event where it talks about laying on of hands. It also says, I laid my hands on you. Now, what's the laying on of hands? Well, if we read through our Bibles, our, our New Testament, we see it come up again and again in the book of Acts and then mentioned in various points in the letters. And the laying on of hands was a way they prayed for people and they prayed for people to receive the Holy Spirit. They also prayed uh, in a kind of a public way to affirm the Spirit's presence on people, on leadership um, as they appointed leaders and those of responsibility within uh, the church. And Paul is saying, I was there when you were kind of recognized as a minister. I laid my hands on you. I was one of those who prayed for you uh, to do the role that you're doing. You received the Holy Spirit. I was there with you. And he's saying, Paul is saying, do not give up on the gift that you have from God to do what God has called you to do. And then in verse Seven, he then goes on to, to encourage Timothy by saying, you actually have what you need, Timothy. I'm telling you to fan it into flame, but you've got everything you need with you. And if you see the word at the beginning of verse seven, it's that same word again. It's that word for. So it's linked to what Paul's just said. So if you circle the four at the beginning of verse six and you circle the four at the beginning of verse seven, you see a link, a follow through. He's saying for, I remind you, again, that word remind, um, fan the uh, into flame the gift of God which is on through the laying on my hands for God God himself has given something and he, he frames it negatively and positively through this verse he says he's not negatively given you a spirit of fear he's not given you a spirit of fear now why would Timothy have a spirit of fear well Timothy is facing opposition from false teachers who are telling lies about Jesus that would have been coming into the church that he has to stand up and kind of uh, re refute and rebuke him will have been facing persecution as a believer of Jesus. He will just be under the pressure of ministry in serving um, a church. And so there are lots of reasons for him to shrink back. There are lots of reasons for him to be hesitant, to be reticent, to be afraid of what's going on and just not knowing, uh, you know, where's God in all this? What's going to happen to me? Paul, his friend, is in a dungeon in Rome uh, awaiting execution. There's lots of reasons for Timothy uh, to be overwhelmed. And Paul's saying, you haven't got a spirit of fear Timothy you actually and then he, he takes it positive what do you have he says for God has given us not a spirit of fear but one of power love and self-control so the Holy Spirit what does the Holy Spirit bring that's in him it brings him power power uh, the Holy Spirit is um, characterized by power when the Holy Spirit comes on people in our Bible they are empowered for ministry they're empowered to master fear they're empowered to uh, overcome sin to face hardship to be bold in preaching um, the word of God and this runs all the way through our scriptures we see it highlighted again in the book of Acts where 
talks about the Holy Spirit coming on people on the church and it says they spilled out and they were full with boldness and they carried on preaching and, and Tim, uh, Paul is reminding Timothy that's what you've got you've got a spirit of power Timothy but it's not just one of power it's one of love the love of God is what's in your heart through the Holy Spirit and so you will serve and love and care for one another you will seek forgiveness and reconciliation with those who've wronged you you will refuse to seek revenge on those who've hurt you you will have um, love for the church that you are to shepherd and and watch over and care for you'll love those who are outside the church who don't know Jesus and are lost in their sin and you want to minister them and love them and care for them you'll have love for the poor and the hurting and the broken and um, that will be kind of exemplified in your ministry so you've got love and then the last one he says self-control self-control which means you have control over your actions it it prevents rash behavior it prevents self-indulgence it, it means saying no to temptation and sin it's wise behavior and thinking before you act and working things through in a godly way. And Paul says, this is what you've got, Timothy. This is what you've got. This is what God has put in you. This is what you are to fan into flame. It's there, fan it into flame, stir it up. Um, and elsewhere, you know, Paul describes this same kind of idea. If you go to Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 15, he says this. He says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, same idea, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Paul is reminding Timothy, you haven't got the spirit of fear, you've got the spirit of sonship. God is your father. He loves you. He's for you. And he's given you power, love and self-control to live the life and serve out the ministry he's called you to. So, so far in the letter, we've had Paul introduce himself, um, Paul introduce Timothy, who the letter's to, giving him a greeting. And in this first bit of the letter he's given thanks for God for Timothy's faith which is a continuation of the line of faith through his mom and then his grandmom and he is thankful that Timothy um, is is serving God with his own sincere faith um, and he's shown that infection and he's saying God keep going Timothy keep going Timothy keep going Timothy in this faith um, because God has given you everything you need to serve him in the place that you find yourself and so to finish, I just want to look at a couple of bits of application for us. Two things I want us to take away out of this that we're kind of trying to earth in uh, what's going on in life for us at the moment. Give some things that we can look at and then I want to pray for finish, uh, to finish. So I'm going to say uh, two things. I want us to look about uh, to remember our faith and then to take care of our faith. To remember our faith and to take care of our faith. Paul reminds Timothy about his faith in Jesus and there are two aspects of this. There's his personal faith and there's his heritage of faith, if you will. There's his personal faith um, because Paul describes it as the God whom I serve. And then he says to Timothy, your sincere faith. And both Paul and Timothy were followers of Jesus and given their life for that. And they were called to be ministers in the church and they were serving God wherever God had placed them. But he also reminded them of their heritage of faith, that they weren't Christians in isolation. Paul talked about his ancestors, those of the Jewish faith that would have traced their heritage right back to Abraham um, back in Genesis. And actually, he'd served God like them. Like there'd be many men and women who'd faithfully served God down the centuries. And he says to Timothy, actually, you've got your mom and your grandmother who are this heritage of faith um, in your life. And there's a couple of things out that I want to remind us about. I want to remind us about our personal faith. If you're a believer of Jesus on this call, at some point, in your life you made a commitment to follow Jesus 
You recognized your own sin and that that was an offense to God, how far you've fallen short of his standards. Uh, your things you'd done wrong. There are things that you should have done that you hadn't done. There were things that you thought, things that you said, things that you'd done. All that stuff was sin. But you turned away from it. You repented and you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You acknowledge his death on the cross in your place for your sin and his resurrection bodily from the death, uh, from the dead as the only way to life and godliness. He became your king, your Lord, your master. You were adopted into his family, the church, and you became part of his kingdom purposes on the earth. And God has then called you to live a life of service, loving and caring for those around you and honoring him and proclaiming his good news to everyone. And I just want to ask you, do you remember that time when you made that commitment? For some of you, it might have been fairly recent. Some of you, it might have been decades and decades and decades ago. Where were you when it happened? What was it like? How has your life changed uh, in the interim? For me, my story goes back to growing up in a, a church-going family. So I got exposed to a Sunday school and then growing up youth group all right, from a very early age. Um, I then went to university and there, there were kind of moments when it clicked for me, when I saw other Christians kind of my own ages. I went to church with lots of students, all loving and serving God and worshiping him. And that's when it kind of really became real for me in that moment. And I committed my life to Jesus I was baptized in water. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and that's when my life kind of really trains around and set me on the course where I find myself today. And like Paul, this story, our own story of our faith should produce thankfulness for what God has done in our lives, but also thankfulness for what God has done in the lives of others. As we hear stories of people who've also made this commitment, as you meet other Christians, there should be a thankfulness for the grace of God that's been poured out uh, on, so, uh, on so many. And it should be something that doesn't happen just once when you become a believer, like everyone gets excited, and, but actually it's something that we live in day by day, just a genuine thankfulness for God, for what he's done in your life and how he's led you to where you are. Now, if you're not a believer, on this call. It's lovely to have you. I'm glad you're here listening uh, to the good news of Jesus. But I say this doesn't apply for you at this point, but I want to offer it to you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to offer it to you and say, now's your opportunity to turn around from living your own life your way, to uh, trust him, uh, repent of your sin, uh, put your faith in him on his death on the cross in your place for your sin, that he rose bodily from death. He is now ruling and reigning victorious, King of kings and Lord of lords. He sent his spirit to be with us now. And one day he will return and judge all mankind. And you have an opportunity now to turn to him. If that's you, I'd love you just to pray, call out to God. Uh, maybe you want to message us and say, what do I do with this? And we'll help you the best we can um, over uh, the Internet and get you plugged in to, to God. But at the same time, I want to also remember our heritage of faith, as well as having our own personal faith, um, our own story of how we came to be where we are today. There are those who've gone before us believers whose lives have impacted our lives when you became a christian who was in who was involved in it was it your parents or your friends or a youth leader or a kids worker a church leader was it a colleague or someone you kind of whose path you came across for me uh, i started with my parents my mum and dad and took me to church and then i had 
workers kind of through the kids work and the youth work Shirley and Jenny were two of the ladies I particularly know who invested time uh, with us when I was young and then when I got a bit older I was involved in a youth work and went around youth camps and there were two guys Al and Jez who I know impacted me with their lives and their godliness when I went to university and I had those moments there were two friends uh, Wendy and Mark who particularly had an impact on me and what it meant to, to follow Jesus. And so it wasn't something that was just about me. And in our individualistic Western culture, we can just tend to focus on ourselves, but actually we're part of a wider group, a wider family of what God um, is doing. And Paul had no problem reminding Timothy, actually you're part of a story of faith, Timothy. It's not just you, it's your mum and your grandmum, and it might have even gone back further than that. And there's a reason uh, that Paul does that so that we can be thankful. We can be thankful for those who've been involved in our story. We thank you for our salvation, but we're thankful for the other men and women who've been around us and been involved in getting us to where we are now. And so maybe out of this, uh, I could offer you a, a suggestion, something to try this week. Maybe take a moment, part of your quiet time, or when you've just got that moment, to take a piece of paper, maybe you've got a journal or something, or a bit of paper you stick in your Bible, and write down the names of some of the people who were involved in your story. And thank God for that. Thank God for their faithfulness and what they did. Maybe even if you know them or you still have some kind of relationship with them, you should go and thank them. Maybe send them a message or something and say, thank you for your faithfulness and the impact it had on my life and how God used you to transform me. Maybe you can pray for them, pray God's blessing on them and encourage them in that. So that's the first thing there. Uh, remember our faith. And the second thing is take care of our faith. Take care of our faith. Paul uh, reminds Timothy to take care of his faith. He says, like a fire needs tending, you need to tend that fire. You need to fan it into flame. You need to do everything you can to make sure that fire is burning brightly. And this can prompt some awkward questions for us because if I ask the question about, you, are you taking care of your faith? It kind of thinks, well, what are you taking care of other things over your faith? What are you devoting your time to? How much time do you vote, devote to taking care of your faith versus how much time you, you spend on social media, your hobbies, binge watching the latest whatever, line of duty or whatever happens to be on Netflix? What are you giving your time and energy to? How are you tending your faith and what are you doing about it? And so I just want to suggest three things that you can put in place that will help you fan into flame what God has put in you fan into flame what God has put in you so there's three things first one be full of the Holy Spirit be full of the Holy Spirit Paul references uh, into Timothy about the laying on of hands which would have been used as part of a commissioning service uh, for Timothy but also uh, it was pray for believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit you can imagine just be a regular practice in the life of the church and elsewhere we read in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus chapter 5 verse 18 he says that we are to be men and women filled with the spirit filled with the spirit and keep being filled a regular continual growing in that which means for us we need to be men and women who have a life of prayer that we are asking God regularly to fill us with his spirit those around us uh, to be them to be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, and we pray in our personal times. We pray when we come together at life groups. We pray uh, as a church, at Church of Prayer, which is just this week on Tuesday. Come join us. Uh, we pray in informal meetups. When we get together, we pray for one another. Um, that God would bless them, fill them with your spirit. And from this, 
being filled of the Holy Spirit, we can walk in power, love, and self-control, all it means to follow Jesus faithfully. So we need to be men and women filled with the Spirit. Second thing we need to do is remind ourselves of truth. Remind ourselves of truth. Paul declares truth about Timothy, which will oppose the lies. He says, you were not given, Timothy. That's the lie. You weren't given a spirit of fear. Don't give into it. He says, instead, you were given. So he proclaims truth. He calls out the lie and he proclaims the truth. And we need to be men and women who do the same. And the way we do that is we need to know the truth. And where do we find the truth? The number one place is our Bible. That's what we need to be reading. So how are you doing in your Bible reading? Are you getting into 2 Timothy? Nice and short, four chapters. You can read it in about 20 minutes. Uh, we've been encouraging you to read it this week um, with our sort of stuff we follow out after the sermon. Uh, this week's one, our second one is to watch the Bible Project video. So maybe have a look at that. Send it out on an email link, watch the video, which kind of gives an overview of the whole letter, which is really helpful in just understanding kind of what you're reading. Get into the truth. Know the truth. Know the truth of who Jesus is. It was great what Matt read out at the beginning of uh, worship, just reminding of the truth of who he was, uh, who Jesus was. Uh, when we did the Freedom in Christ course, you remember those lists of things you had to say out about who I am, that I'm holy and I'm righteous and I'm, I'm adopted and I've been forgiven. All those things are great truth to proclaim over yourself. When you've got scripture, get it into you, uh, stick it up on the wall, put it somewhere where you can read it and you'll see it, whether it's in your kitchen or in your bedroom, carry it around. Um, I, I'll put it on your phone or something. So you've just got it close to you. How many times do you check your phone in the day? Don't answer that. It's probably too many. But it's some of those times that you're reminding yourself of scripture, write it out. I find it so hard. I always do this in sermon prayer. When I'm preaching a passage, I literally write it out. There's my 2 Timothy bit that I write out for this because it forces me to concentrate on what I'm writing and trying to understand it. And so if you've got particular verses, write them out by hand. Get it into you. Listen to it. Uh, my uh, phone has got the app. It's got my Bible on it. Um, but it speaks to me. I can push play and a, a dude reads it to me. I've listened to 2 Timothy this week probably, I think, four or five times because it's so short. I can just push play. And at various points, I've just listened to it again. Get yourself into God's word. Remind yourself of truth. So the first one there was be full of the spirit. Second one, remind yourselves of truth. And the third one is do it in community. Do it in community. Prayer and Bible reading is something we do by ourselves, but it's also something we should do as part of community, as part of God's church. We're designed to live out our faith together. We're not designed to live on our own. And so the fact that you've dialed in and you're connecting with the church now is brilliant. And if we go back to that fire image just for a moment, uh, have you ever had a fire where there's lots of things burning in there that you take one thing out and you put it on the side, you separate it out from the fire what happens? Well, it, it goes cold. It's kind of, it's on its own. And if we're all burning and we're all fanning our gifts into flame and we're all together as a church community, we're going to play off each other and the heat from you is going to help me and my heat will help you. And so actually we need to do this in community. When you meet up together, when we do our in the garden and soon in a week or two it'll be we'll be able to be in houses in small groups don't just talk about family and tv and jobs and sports and the state of the pandemic which all have their time and place talk about jesus talk about how you're doing with him ask one another what are you reading in your bible what are you praying for what is god speaking to you about there are three great questions to have a conversation with someone what are you reading your bible what are you praying for at the moment and what is God speaking to you about? Stay plugged into church and life group is what's going on and do your faith together 
as a community. Okay, I'm going to finish there. I'm just going to pray for you guys. So maybe if you just want to open your hands, close your eyes, I'm going to pray for you a couple of things. I'm going to pray. I'm going to thank God for you and your faith. And however you got to this place, whoever those people were, you'll have to fill in the blanks because I know your stories. I'm going to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that God will come and fill you. And I'm going to remind you of what he's put in you, a, power, a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And I'm going to pray that as we go into this new week, Sunday, first day of the week, it's beginning, that God would fill you and that you would know his presence as you go out and do whatever it is you've been called to do. All right, so maybe you just want to close your eyes. Open your hands. Lord God, I want to say I thank you for these men and women I see before me. Lord, I want to thank you for their faith. Lord, I want to thank you for how you've brought them to this place. Lord, I want to thank you for the other men and women that helped on their journey. I thank you for their faith, but the, the parents and, and the, the, the churches and the kids workers and the youth workers and the friends and the colleagues who prayed for them and prayed for them and ministered them and loved them and showed them the way and you use them to birth new life in these people. Lord, I want to thank you for that. Maybe you just take a moment now and just speak to God and thank God for those people. You know them and we'll all be different. So you do that now. Lord God, I want to thank you for all those names we just called out. Lord, I thank you for their faithfulness and their gifting and how you saved them and then how you use them to impact our lives. And Lord, now I pray for us as your family, as your church, I pray, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Do not let that gift go, that fire die in our lives, God. Teach us to fan it into flame, to tend the fire. Thank you, Lord, that we do not have a spirit of fear in the face of uncertainty in our world. Um, and all the things that are going on, we actually have a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And I pray you'd fill us with that now, Lord. I pray you'd give it as we go out into the week, that we would have power um, to serve those around us, to love them, to care for them, uh, to care for the hurting and the broken, to speak words of truth and love. I pray that you'd give us self-control in the face of um, pressure and opposition and temptation and sin, that we might prove ourselves to be faithful workers of you in this time, in this season. And all God's people say, amen, amen.